Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track podcast. I hope you're doing well. I'm Stu Whiffin, I'm your host, and for the next hour or so, we are going to be talking life story, music, creative journeys, and we've got a great guest to do that with today. It's Discotech Credits. Discotech Credits is a DJ, producer, uh, remixer, uh, and just all-round lovely fellow. Uh, I will probably, throughout the duration of this podcast, refer to him as Bill, um, because that's his name. Obviously, Discotech Credits is his working name, um, but Bill Shepard is is the guy that um, you may have seen that name because he's a resident DJ for uh, Scroobius Pip and 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 me when we do our club night, and he's a wealth of knowledge on music, which you are going to find out about in the next hour or so. So, Bill came over to. Uh, the studio at the end of the garden, and we sat and we, we had a few gin and tonics, and we recorded it just before Christmas, so we had a nice little festive catch-up, um, a good few drinks, and we went in on it, and we chatted about club culture, um, everything, rave culture in Essex, uh, pirate radio, loads of good stuff, so... Before we get on to it, big thanks to the Distraction Pieces Network for letting me put these podcasts out through that. Um, and obviously the, the governor over there, Mr. Scroobius Pip, big love to him. Um, massive props to Mr. 76 for producing this. Thanks to my name is Ad for doing artwork. And, oh, we have a Patreon page. So if you like this and you want to hear more from... Um, me in this podcast then head over there have a little look because i put out another episode each week over there so there's there's a fair whack of shows for you to get stuck into if you you, you head over there now um there's also merchandise available for this podcast the one-stop shop for it all just go to www.offthebeatentrackpodcast.com and that'll tell you everything you need to know about Patreons, about this episode, about merch, about everything else. And you can email me and let us know what you like, love, dislike. It's got links to all the social media, so you can follow us on there. So go and have a little explore. Also, if you're also scratching your head about what other podcasts there are out there to listen to, go and check out Pod Bible magazine. It's a new essential guide to podcasting. So you can find out 
all about what's happening in the world of podcasts. Um, it's all done in association with Acast. And there's loads of good stuff there. Um, so you can also find out about that on www.podbiblemag.com. So go and have a little look over there as well. I've waffled too long. Let's get on with today's episode. It's off the beaten track podcast with discotheque credits. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Right, we are recording. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track podcast. It's a chilly evening, uh, we're a few days away from Christmas, not 100% sure when this podcast is going to come out, um, but we're feeling seasonal. We have a box of celebrations on the table, and sitting opposite me uh, is my um, is a DJ, um, a producer, uh, and a mate. It's Discotech Credits. Stu, hello. Uh, but for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to call you Bill. It's, I think Bill's good, yeah. Yeah, discotheque credits is quite a mouthful to just kind of uh, casually have a yeah, chat. It yeah? doesn't, doesn't make sense, yeah, no, but it is what it is. Um, thank you for coming, Dan, That's from right. uh, Trendy East London. Are you still in Trendy East London? Yeah, uh, Limehouse. Yeah. I've been told today that uh, someone's daughter's moving there because she thinks it's cool. Um, <laughs> sort of told them what it's really like, but, you know, it is what it is. All right, well, look, we'll, we'll talk about your move to East London uh, as the podcast kind of unfolds uh, as, to, as to where you was growing up and stuff like that and what led to that move to there. But let's let's get straight in with um, 
track one, which is the song with the greatest intro. Yeah. So it's a weird one. There's loads of kind of pop music with amazing intros, but this is just one of those records where when you first hear it, depending where you are, so when you hear this in a nightclub, it's ridiculous. And I've seen Fortet start with this. And if you know this record, you know it. If you don't, you don't. And it's Carl Craig. So Carl Craig's like the second wave of Detroit techno producers remixing a record on DFA. Um, Delia Gonzalez and Gavin Russell are like sort of art kind of producers and kind of do a lot more spoken word art pieces but they also make music for DFA and then Carl Craig got hold of this record and turned it into sort of like a techno record mm -hmm. so it's just an arpeggiated synth that runs on for two and a half minutes and like it's, it's a quite geeky uh, way of talking about a record but if you know about how synthesizers work it's kind of jumping from uh, poly to, to mono this, if you really immersive in sounds and it's like uh, a few synths at play and then after two and a half minutes and you're kind of a little bit bored kick drum kicks in and it just you know if you're in a club it just goes off mm. so as an intro to have two 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 minutes of the, kind of the same thing is pretty uh pretty strange but yeah hearing this in like places like fabric mm -hmm. and you're in the middle of a dance floor and you're in literally immersed in a wall of sound it's you know the record itself is not on any streaming platforms so unless you've heard it on vinyl and someone like play out of fabric you wouldn't have heard it anywhere else mm -hmm. so it's, so this will not be on the spotify playlist i've looked for it today this. basically so there's um, some Scot scottish producers called slam who did an edit of it of the okay. Carl craig edit but it's too hard it's too techno it's not the right the right thing so it's almost like if you were there the right space at the right time people still yeah. play it but you have to kind of get on youtube to hear it but it's, ain't it cool that there is still tracks out there that aren't readily available that you have to dig a little bit for them. Yeah, I mean, I think this is like a, a DJ tool. So it's that one of those records where I've, I've not played it at loads because there's never an opportunity to play in a big club. But when we, like 2006, when it came out, you could play it and it's a kind of everyone stands still and kind of wonder, wonders what's going on. It's a bit of a moment to breathe and then it kind of kicks off again. Um, but yeah, it's like a really glorified DJ tool and it's probably not something that's going to be thrown on, on streaming because it's not a song. And the fact that it's got a two and a half minute intro. It's probably not the uh, yeah you know what the average listener is going to listen to. So, as a DJ and as a remixer producer, what would you refer to yourself as? DJ first. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely DJ, like music lover, and then you want to like you know we craft a few mm -hmm. DJ tools and edits, remixes for sets, mm -hmm. but first and foremost you're a DJ, and that gives you the ear, ear, yeah. and then you make stuff. So yeah, yeah. I mean producers a bit bit strong yeah yeah we've done a few things that are kind of made some waves like remixing bombay bicycle club and that sort of stuff mm -hmm. get six music support but really like at the moment it's just kind of tools and stuff for, for dj sets yeah yeah well we should say at this point that um we we met each other maybe nine years ago maybe uh eight nine years ago was it yeah. that long back i probably have got to credit you for getting back into djing oh okay That's so interesting. yeah yeah so i reckon uh, I went to university, <clears throat> sort of give up playing records for a while, just sometimes you get sick of music and need a bit of a break. And then I think sort of, can't, what year? Maybe 2007, 2008, there was like a lot of, a flurry of good dance music again. Um, people like Hervé and Sindon and mm -hmm. Switch and Diplo. It was just like, and sort of the internet 
the first wave of blogs sure. and that's how people would find new music and I mean that was like the mirror to what was happening with like indie dance and the kind of because that was rife at that point, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, what, what what is it? Third or fourth instalment of indie being yeah. cool again? We've been around the block a bit, so yeah. it probably it, I think we always talk about '94, '95, mm -hmm. and then well, and then ten years later it happened mm -hmm. again, and then I think Franz and Strokes and all that kicked off again. Mm -hmm. So you had this really sweet spot where you could DJ and play really good guitar music. No one likes indie anymore. Can't call it indie, mm -hmm. but it was guitar, really good guitar music, which threw back to like the last ten years of alternative. And then, if you were lucky, you could DJ for a few hours and build it up into to dance remixes and, and remixes of bands. And my last year at uni, that was just starting to pop, and I was like, you know, this is the, mu the music scope at that time. I think people forget how incredible it was when you've got Franz Ferdinand, Arctic Monkeys, Block Party. You've got loads of one-hit wonder sort of indie bands as mm -hmm. well. But you got, the amount of fuel that we had, like when mm -hmm. you was doing XFM at the Brush, mm -hmm. it was just wall-to-wall -wall banger after banger yeah. after banger. And that was even without getting into dance stuff. Right? Of course. So <clears throat> that was the sort of spectrum and the scope of kind of getting back into it. It was exciting. There was quite a lot of crossover oh, at that point, wasn't there? Yeah, crazy, crazy. And then people were doing really clever stuff. So uh, This was at the period where Errol Orkin was kind of making his stamp as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Errol was doing Camden. Uh, what was, was Trash still going then? I've ne I never went to Trash. Right. Like, we watched it for, oh, the last... There's a phone kicking off saying, anyway, right, ignore that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Trash was just doing its thing, and but we didn't really know about it because yeah. we're based in Essex and running our own indie night mm -hmm. um, with an old white MacBook and not DJing because it was just fading tracks into our, in and out just because like three-minute indie records were just, they'd just fly by. Mm -hmm. And we'd play like 200 fucking great records a night. Um and then, yeah, I think you kind of hit me up and said, we're kind of doing a few things. Do you want to come and DJ? Mm -hmm. And then probably through that is where you kind of get in into, uh, did a few favours for you, a few club nights. And that that sounds sorted. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, not in a Chris sort of way. Uh, um, yeah, kind of played for you a couple of times. And then, um, like, again, we're doing our own indie thing over in Essex and seeing what's happening at Queen Hoxton at the time. Yeah. So... You kind of go. I think you. I remember. I'm friending you on Facebook because at the okay. time you would spam everyone for your events. I would have thought so. And I'd probably spam you back. Yeah. And I remember you have to hit me back up and like go friends request from Stu. Yeah. And like not that I'm not friends with you, but I was like okay, it's because how you doing? He's like yeah. mate, come and do this. Yeah. And then that's what started. What Queen of Hoxton? Yeah. Well, that was the, the pretty much the, the the Queen of Hoxton had just opened. Yeah. You know, pretty much. Yeah. And, and it was, it was in its kind of honeymoon period and it was it was quite a, a buzz venue at that point wasn't it i mean you think of the the djs that we got at that time yeah to kind of pass through and just play a set and mm -hmm. i think the open-mindedness of the crowd as well like shoreditch was a different place then yeah it's, it's a weird one because i remember like i'd normally do two sets i'd do like a warm-up as everyone's coming in you could play uh loads of new bands like disco remixes stuff on dfa mm -hmm. um and you could tell people got it, liked it, and were enjoying it. And then you could play sort of the anthems and the bangers at the end of the night. Yeah. And then I think me and you saw a switch a couple of years ago where it just seemed that people weren't ready for, I don't know, 
you kind of went out for a club night to enjoy your night and just sort of drift off and for a bit of escapism rather than be preached to. And not saying we was ever preachy. No, but but they're, they're, it, it, for me, and, and I, you know, I'm not speaking on behalf of you, but you know, we've had these conversations before, Bill. That that kind of open-minded approach to going out to places in what was, you know, historically quite creative yeah. areas and venues to kind of get excited to be you know to hear something new to 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 you know and don't get me wrong we was always playing big tunes as well but yeah. you could slip in you know some some exciting new music and get away of it and get people dancing to it and that seemed to get harder and harder I thought yeah i think uh because the area changed right i think the area it's hard because it when something becomes success, successful and quote unquote cool yeah it changes overnight and you could argue that we had a couple of cool years there, but yeah. the cool times have probably already moved on mm-hmm. because the venues were getting more established or sure. becoming more polished, I suppose. Um, and then we had to kind of cater for that sound. And not not saying that we had to really change. It's just that you can see it in a change of a crowd. Yeah. The, the game's moved on. The generation's mm-hmm. moved on. Um, and you have to t- tailor your music to that. But I will. I do miss that. You think of it's a 10 years ago since all of that mm-hmm. start. So it's been 10 years DJing, mm-hmm. really. Um and like I said, like one of the first promoters to go, come on, do do whatever you want to do. Yeah. We're cool, and it worked. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, it's the time of like you know, I said, just some killer, killer bands. Yeah. And I think we'll look back, and that we'll, I think people look back anyway. But that was such an amazing sweet spot yeah. of you know psychedelic stuff from MGMT, mm-hmm. friends playing dance music on guitars, yeah, block party, just kind of you know just kind of thrashing it out the Tigra there was the so Tigra. much fucking great music and it's a huge uh, kind of like I said spectrum of like every mm-hmm. as a DJ you could pull whatever you yeah. wanted to do and then there was a crossover thing which is not really cool where indie could be danceable yeah um, so there's a few dance remixes like I said Errol, Errol's remix of Franz was always like mm-hmm. that kind of you could do an indie set and then segment into like a dancier yeah. set and everyone seemed to be okay with that and now it's pretty much you've got an hour or a couple of hours we want to enjoy ourselves. We want it to be a bit more friendlier. Yeah. Um, I think as well, like the spectrum changes. So every year, every couple of years, things change. So it it, it becomes quite beard strokey. Yeah. So you've got the techno side of things. You've got sort of DJ Seinfeld and that really kind of bespoke, cool, 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 mm-hmm. cool side of dance music. And then you've got the other side, which is like, you know, just bangers, EDM nonsense. And that's mm-hmm. something we've, we've kind of strayed away with. But yeah, I mean, I think we've always, and, and definitely you've always pleased the crowd, yet retained a lot of integrity in what you play. Yeah, I think you got to believe in what you're playing. Yeah, I mean, I think the transition is, is again. This is going to be a really geeky, geeky mm-hmm. listen for everyone listening because we're going to talk nonsense. But mm-hmm. book club, you kind of when we went in, I was playing. So just to quickly bring you up to speed on, just to give you a little bit of backstory on where, where we're going with this, so. I invited Bill to come and DJ at the Queen of Hoxton, which was the event I run with Matthew Holm. Yeah. Um, when you mentioned some of the names that we'd had come through, I mean, we was DJing alongside all from Madness to Orbital to Maccabees, Florence and Machine, New Young Pony Club. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, full on. Zane Lowe. Zane Lowe. Like, there was some, some great stuff happening there. And uh, a few years into that, um, Pip and I set up uh, a night at their sister venue, the book club, which is still to where we're at today and from day dot you've been there as yeah. well as a resident yeah. and obviously 
your good friends with previous guests, Destruction, obviously Chris from Hard Goddess Inn, and obviously your, you know, your good mates with Scrobe. Yeah, I mean, so it's like coming playing Scrobe's club night, you try and take, you know, dissect Pip into kind of musically what, where he's at. So we know that it was like, you look at his background, coming up on MySpace, so there's that definitely alternative indie side of it, being a spoken word sort of artist there's obviously gonna be like that hip-hop element and kind of you know verse and rap mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff so then applying that to the original wave of, of lizards we could get away with a bit more yeah and we played yeah, we would play records by the maccabees we yeah. played white stripes and mm. kind of a party atmosphere and then i think we've seen kind of the wave change where it's it's very much r&b and hip-hop yeah. night um to cater to to the crowd which works it's, yeah. not, it's not a bad thing it's yeah. a, but it's again that but I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, Bill but I do you know as a DJ I still believe that you are pushing what you can get away with do you know what I mean you're not just going right let's just play no diggity non-stop um, yeah. you know you're, you're still sort of finding reworks and creating your own reworks and remixes of of, of, of records and, um, and 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 it always works mate yeah I mean the, the thing with like the edits and stuff I'm Basically, I run a little label. I'm not going to say what it is. You can go and find it. It's not a promotion, but the edits like are a bit of a, a bit of a fuck you to Shoreditch. Yeah. To say every time I want to go out and I live in East London, yeah, I don't want to listen to Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. Yeah. I don't want to listen to Any Kamosi. Here comes a hot stepper. Yeah. Like don't Word call. Them up. Huh? Word them up. <laughs> <laughs> like. Again, they're all fine, but like, yeah. don't don't tell me you've got an old school hip hop night. Yeah, and you're not playing Far Side, and you're yeah, not playing course, Public man. Enemy. You're not playing the and like you haven't got to play all the deep cuts, but call it like this is the problem. Call it uh, a '90s commercial R and B night. Hot joints. It's hot joints. <laughs> yeah, controversial uh, mixtape with Stuart Riff and hot joints. <laughs> um, so it was a, a little bit of a kind of two fingers up to say look if this is what people want which they clearly do mm -hmm. and it's not to dig them out because it's it's back to the point where are you coming out to kind of hear something new and it's kind of cool quote yeah. unquote or are you here just to have a few drinks and enjoy your night sure. and I think sure it should very much become the way we're, we're on a night out entertain us mm. and that's what we do and that's what we've been doing for a long time and there's nothing wrong with that no but this, this, the kind of scope of people coming out to hear music has changed absolutely well before we could be a bit progressive and play new music yeah and when that kind of moves but then it's kind of the 360 of that is things like all the bands that we kind of like or love at the moment it's nice to hear records on six music and get full support on six music yeah they're not on radio one mm -hmm. they're not cool radio one are not interested but six or bbc like recognize that it's a great record and needs to kind of the audience yeah and if it was passed over to Radio 1 and became cool overnight we might not like it Yeah. so it's more to do with who your audience is and yeah. kind of what they like so I still think records get, find their audience it's not about that it's just before it's becoming diversified so you know channels and what you listen to there's no yeah. one place to go and listen to stuff Yeah. Um, it, Six is a good place to start right? Yeah I think <laughs> if you want to be switched on to, yeah. to new stuff and you know, created, created music um, it's pretty cool but yeah look, so that's a a long rounded way to sort of say, yeah, you helped me get back to DJ. Yeah. I, mean, I felt like I had to learn how to DJ again. And I feel like coming up playing garage and house music, you're not a garage and house DJ. Yeah. You weren't then anyway. 
so what, how are you, what are you going to play with? And at the time, there was a massive toy box of music to play around with. And you could really be clever with, you know, like I say, house techno. Yeah. I think dubstep was doing its thing. Um, yeah, there was amazing bands being remixed. It was just a, like, you, I, I, I really look back and go, it will never ever happen again. Okay, it was interesting. A, yeah, a huge toy box of music. Well, An artist, I suppose, songwriting. Yeah. Well, we'll, 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 we'll also sort of get back into, I know that you mentioned House and Garage, and I know that that, that music was a big part of, of your kind of journey into DJing and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that as we move through. But if we move to track two, yeah. which is um, the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of records that make you kind of give you goosebumps. Right. But to actually hear a, a, a song start to finish, production, songwriting, to go, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, yeah. So this is LCD Sound System. Um, Summer group, yeah. Um, and it's like a record with dual meaning. Mm-hmm. So James Murphy's never said what it's about. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you do a lot of reading about, obviously, you know, the lyrics are about a loss, so a longing on a loss. Mm-hmm. So you can take it as it's about a relationship folding up. There's people talking about it's his old um, shrink. So James Murphy being the complex fella he is he is needed someone to talk to about kind of you know the American life the American way the American dream don't forget him being a little bit older as well and mm-hmm. I mean, kind of one of the greatest bands on the planet yeah. apparently he shrink passed away so it could be about an ode to him let's talk about it could be about uh, life in general and, and uh, um, babies and okay. things not happening so it's well, one of them records it's just when you I've seen him play it live a few times and I just think it's just one. It's amazing production. So how, let, let, let yeah. me just stop you there, and, and, and rather than what could be potential interpretations of what James Murphy's thinking, yeah, saying, yeah. like it had an emotional impact on you. So how did it emotionally impact on you? Was it joy? Was it sadness? And and how did you interpret it? Well, I think it's. It's uh, a good question. I think it's like sonically delivers like melancholy. So if you want to look to music to deliver a mood, mood, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. It is a very sad piece of music. So yeah, it's about loss. It can be loss of youth, loss of relationships, whatever. But if a certain record hits you at a certain time, right. it's very like, okay, an open wound, here's that record. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's one of my favourite records of all time. Mm. And over time it grows and becomes a little bit different. And like I said about dual meaning, it can mean a lot to... For yeah. different times, you can yeah. plug into that record, and it can mean a lot for. Yeah. Are you one of them people that, if you're feeling, if you're feeling sad, will you indulge sad music? No. Really, you put a spin on it, and you you go positive, and you you try and. Because uh, I'll, I'll wallow. Well, I've got a like a Spotify playlist called Melancholia, which mm-hmm. is like twenty, super super, slightly depressing sad music. Yeah. And that's if you you feel like that that day. Yeah. Oh, you're slinging it on. You want to you want to put it on, but yeah. it's not like I feel, I feel sad. I'm going to put some more, even more sad music on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very, like it's almost like not a drug, but if you want to kind of plug into that mindset, yeah. you know, it, it, it is what it is. Especially like London, cold morning in London. If you want to kind of get the feels, quote unquote, Got you. you can put like something on that gives you know soundtracks your your life yeah. from that day. And it's yeah, it's a little bit uh, 
you know, downbeat or whatever. Okay, okay. All right, so let's go back. So, so where was you born? So born in Essex. So mm-hmm. born in Basildon. Okay. <laughs> I mean, new town, right? Yeah, man, man-made town. Yeah. Um, I, I, what what I don't like is the Barbican gets plaudits for its architecture. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like, yeah, the Barbican's beautiful, brutalists, and I'm like, yeah, you should go to Basildon. Yeah, it, it's it, that is what it is, and not digging out Basildon at all, right? Yeah. It's got a lot of affiliation and friends. Yeah. over in Essex, so it's yeah. not about running away to London. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, grew up in uh, in in uh, Stamfordly Open, Corringham, mm-hmm. um, and then so to, for 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 those that. I'm not familiar with Essex. Um, Stanford's maybe five miles, two miles, well, maybe three miles from Basildon. Yeah, it's not yeah, far, yeah, yeah. is it? So yeah. my mum was a nurse at, in Basildon Hospital. Oh, okay. Um, and my dad went to work for Ford. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've got, yeah, one hospital and one kind of, you know... In Dagenham. In, in, in Dunton and Dagenham, yep. kind of flipped between the two. Mm-hmm. And then Stanford and Corringham traditionally was, like, a lot more... Um, it wasn't as built up as what it is now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was kind of a, a kind of sleepy sort of town. It wasn't kind of what it is now, which is in just built up ports. It's becoming like an industrial type sort yeah. of little town now. It's an aggressive place now, Stanford, right? Yeah, well, growing up, I think yeah. you, you kept your wits about you. I mean, yeah. you, everywhere, you get into a few spills now yeah. along the line, um, but it's just, it's a strange place. But obviously, it's, you know. Um, it's where you grew up. Mm-hmm. I think just things just change, and like I said, look, there's been a port built there now, so it's become very much. Even driving back the other night, it's full of lorries, yeah. and it's, the port's only going to get bigger. Mm-hmm. So it changes things. But um, the good thing about like growing up and going to school locally is that uh, our gang had a lot of older brothers and sisters who turned us on to new music. Okay. So we grew up in sort of 93, 94, 95. Well, let, let, let me stop you there. Yeah. Because I want to, I want to get onto that as, as this yeah. unfolds a little bit more. Yeah. But I want to keep it back. Yeah. Early doors. So when you're at home. Yeah. In, when did you move from Basildon to Stamford? Uh, so we never moved from, we never moved from Basildon. So we, I grew up in Corringham basically. So right. we were like two or three houses growing up. Okay. Around there. So did, uh, is your dad that's Irish? Dad's Irish, yeah. yeah. And your mum's? Uh, she not, not Irish? Not Irish. Okay. So, so, was there was there a lot of music on at home growing up? Y- yeah. So, um, my dad being an Irishman, you grew up with the Pogues and you two. It's all right, right? It's all right. But then you also grew up with my dad being an engineer, which I think kind of really fuels some of his music. So I grew up listening to Tangerine Dream and things like that. Nothing wrong with that, mate. It was crazy, right? And then, so that's quite cool. So mm-hmm. that's a, you know, my, my old man's into Guns N' Roses as well and mm-hmm. things like that. So prop- That's a good spectrum of music for it to, um, as, a, as a young kid to be, yeah, you know, exposed to. Yeah, Like Led Zeppelin and, and kind of guitar bands. And then like people like Steve Vai, like mm-hmm. you know, kind of... And Carlos, <laughs> guitar. Yeah, yeah, kind of really like overthinking it, kind yeah. of technical guitar. Yeah. And like, and Carlos Santana and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So you can t- it kind of leans towards... Broad spectrum, mate. That's good. Yeah. And then you've got my mum. So my mum's kind of, um, y- you know, was way, way into disco music. Mm-hmm. So 
kind of went to Ibiza before Ibiza was Ibiza. So you when you're out there in the early eighties, not in like mm-hmm. eighty eight summer of love time time. So I grew up listening to loads of slightly daft foreign disco music, plus like the first wave of house records. Amazing. All the commercial stuff. So I'm not gonna say my mum's out there buying like things on Chicago tracks, but yeah, our house was full of, of compilations of like um yeah, the first wave of, of kind of really big Ibiza records. Um, even things like, you know, pump up um, the volume Mars, all mm-hmm. the commercial type stuff. But just growing up listening to the little four four house music and acid before you knew it was acid. Yeah. So you got a wide spectrum of, of music and then mum was into a reggae as well. So you can't really you get a broad spectrum from all sides, which kind of you know, everyone grows up listening to music, yeah. but it wasn't like one or two bands. They seem to be saying a bit different on all the time. Yeah. So I think the dance music thing's definitely growing up listening to a kick drum through yeah. some speakers is kind of gets ingrained in you a bit. Yeah. And then maybe if you're lucky, you got a little bit of a technical side of it, listening up some of the, the guitar stuff. Because growing yeah. up, I hated what my dad would listen yeah. to. So you know. That's a natural thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You but like, you, you don't just, want to be listening to your dad's records, yeah. No, but you like you kind of. Uh, yeah, you, you, you haven't got an appreciation of kind of the craft craftsmanship of kind of amazing guitar music. That comes with age, right? You know. Yeah. Well, for 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 some people. Yeah, I mean, but you've got like, I would never have played a guitar. I mean, like at the same time, like you know, growing up, it's very different. And then ten years later, you've got you're listening to Blur and, and stuff like that. So you kind of you are tuned into guitars, but growing up, it was very much dance music. Okay. And then that kind of leads into. You know, well, I thought you know we, we, the, the dance and that's going to come up when I start yeah, asking yeah. you about clubbing and 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 you know your your times when you leave school and start to enjoy yourself. But for for the next track, I'm going to go keep it at school. All right. Um, and for track three, I'm going to ask you the track that reminds you of your time at school. Okay, so it's why all these tracks got ridiculous titles, by the way. Right. right. It's, it's not just like anyway. So it's future primitive, right. and it's we're flying. And it's the Vibram Wish Doctor remix. Right. Right. Um, and it's back to those... This ha- is secondary school, right? Secondary school. We're at Gable Hall. Pass us that booze with your bill. Um, drink. Driving students to drink. Um, <laughs> yeah, secondary school. And like I said, a few older, older brothers and sisters are bringing in tape packs. And it's our first sort of exposure to the world of rave. Right. And like things like Prodigy on the radio. So we've, we've grown up listening to like Charlie and, and SL2 and that sort of stuff. We don't know that's DJ Slipmat and we don't know kind of what's going on. So we've just listened to sort of quite, quite noddy. Uh, chart friendly chart dance, friendly, music, dance right? music, which was hardcore at the time. And then people bring in a, a tape pack and it's called Lords of the Jungle and it's got Randall, Kenny Ken, MCGQ. And it's like being slapped around the face with. That's your one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. some sure. sort of a complete exposure, really, to a different stream of dance music. Yeah. You don't really know what it is. Um, and then in that tape pack... And how old are you at this point? We're probably like 14. Right. So, you know, it's a strange age to be turned on to that, that music. But was, was, it not, was it not music that was, was quite commercial in its own right anyway like it was it was a scene right that was going on at that point like you know everybody had them well, kind of the, 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 
the bomber jackets with the name of the local record shop on the back and the record bags and we're, yeah. we're, we're talking this this era right yeah so we're all we're all head to toe in AWOL and slamming vinyl MO2 yeah. jackets and everyone's got a record bag as their school bag mm. um, and that's kind of filtered down but again you think it's your world but obviously it's happening everywhere but it wasn't really happening everywhere yeah London and probably Essex I think obviously Essex is like London's sort of younger brother yeah we kind of always play but you know let's have it right a lot of them artists that you mentioned grew up in these areas right you know yeah but that's the it's kind of pre-social media pre-internet you don't know who your heroes are and pirate radio in in Essex was was yeah I mean huge right I think what, what I can't, we had Syndicate FM, which yep. is a massive drum and bass mm-hmm. uh, station, and then we'll come with jumping about a bit. But I ended up going on Class FM, which was like a, a big garage station back in the day, and meeting some you know some really good friends to this day, and they're giving you your first sort of stripes. Um, but yeah, so like we really got into rave culture big time, and you know there's loads of records I could play to kind of define the era, like Ray Keith Terrorist and um, Omni Trio. Um, oh, I'm sorry, we have to edit this big time. Um, <laughs> we don't edit this podcast, Bill. yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, so uh, Renegade Snare is a foul play remix. Okay, I've it, not heard of any of these records, right? So, this is the problem with dance music, right? You know them if you're at and kind of clubland or heard them, but yeah, just kind of reel them off, you know, yeah. you go, oh, that's that by that, yeah. but yeah, so kind of <laughs> twisted and strange. I mean, the thing about the vibes. And Wish Doctor, right, is uh, Vibes was an Essex-based sort of happy hardcore DJ. He sat where you sat and recorded, and unfortunately, it was it was quite a interesting recording. And uh, I'm not sure it'll quite make the make well, the release. So Vibes used to live in Greys. I don't think I'm giving too much away, but he ended up living. Uh, a friend of ours, his, his dad moved out and moved into these flats. And one day we were in the kind of a mate's house, and we see our hero DJ Vibes waddling out the house with a big box of records. So being sort of, I don't know, 14 or 15, what do you do? What's the natural thing to do is you go around and knock at his door. And he's like, what is going on here? There's two Herberts at his door going, sign these records. Um, but I think it's quite nice because it was almost like you realise that you're quite close to it. Yeah. So you think that these Absolutely. guys are oh, heroes. Absolutely. And they, they really are. And you don't really know how much they're inspiring a generation. But uh, this record is just so we listen to on tape packs continuously. Um, Explain the tape packs to people that uh, will not understand what they are. So you go to a rave, the promoter would record every single set, they'd put them on C90, which is a cassette, right? I don't know if people know what a cassette is, I'm slightly worried. But <laughs> yeah, so they put it on a tape, um, and then they put six tapes into a plastic kind of like cover, like a DVD yeah. case. And it always have some amazing artwork on the front. So yeah. There's a guy called Pez who used to do all yeah. the kind of Fantasia and, and Lords of Jungle artwork. And so it was like almost like Christmas. You got a present, you open up the package, you got all these tapes, you got, you know, the DJ's names on them, and what we do is we'll trade swap swap these tapes. But it's so fucking great, isn't it? Yeah. Like what what an amazing thing to to be able to sort of trade with your pals and, and, and be able to open you know, a box and it's got six sets from, you know, six DJs you love from a rave that you're too young to go to. Yeah. And like, and you can feel like you're part of that and, oh, amazing. Absolutely incredible. And you, you can, you can, we talk about Boiler Room and the impact that's had on dance music, but really you had to sit and listen to those six tapes. Yeah. You didn't know what all those records were. 
sometimes you might find a record a year or two later and go, actually, that was on that tape that I heard. Yeah. You couldn't find those records. There's no track yeah. lists. Um, and the thing with that was Lords of the Jungle. So it was, it was drum and bass, early drum and bass, which is called Jungle, which is like reggae influenced. Mm-hmm. And vibes somehow snuck in the, on that lineup. So it was a jungle rave. Yeah. There was no hardcore there. Yeah. But somehow, our vibes it was the warm up or the end or whatever. Yeah. And we, that was the tape that we all kind of gravitated to because yeah. it was very like, hardcore was ridiculously hooky and catchy mm-hmm. and piano y and jingly jangly. When you're that age, it's like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And then it started to get a bit silly, it got really techno y and fast, and that's kind of when we started to move away from it. Mm-hmm. But that sweet spot of like early rave, kind of hardcore. And- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And, and jungle, it just that is, that, that is my whole kind of three or four years uh, in school. Okay, so did, did did you enjoy your time at school? Yeah, we uh, we had a good crack at school. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think my uh, it's weird because you kind of. At school, there'd be a gang of you, five or six, but we were quite all pally. And I remember my headmaster saying to my mum, like, I've never known there'd be 30 lads with so much swagger because we thought, you know, you do at that age, you're a bit of a dickhead, mm-hmm. but it's normally like, there's one dickhead and everyone's all right, but in this instance, it was 30 of us. <laughs> so it was a bit 30 like, of you that were all right or 30 dickheads? Well, we, we, we thought we were all right, but I'm sure we were. <laughs> thought, I'm sure many Gable Hall teachers would tell you it was, it was a, like a nightmare. Yeah. But it was that thing where, like, we were a bit of a gang and uh, you know there was obviously like top dog and whatever but mm-hmm. we all got on so it was really nice to have a, a big group of, yeah. of gang and that was youth club and DJ and that yeah. sort of stuff and DJing wasn't really a thing then I've been mean, yeah. DJing since I was sort of 16 but we'd play at youth club and that sort of stuff and then we'd have we'd play sort of hardcore drum and bass in house and then someone would come play an indie and then yeah. like, we'd have someone would come play an indie set um so yeah, that was first taste really into oh, all of it. Well, we, we, we spoke about the kind of the, you know, the the, you know, the, the, the boxes of tapes and stuff like that. But um, I'm probably going to go back a little bit further before we mm. before we go forward and ask what the first record was that you you remember buying. Okay, so Beastie Boys. 
Yeah. Which is a recur- recurring theme on this podcast. Right? It is, it is. So it seems like we're all at some point yep. getting to Beastie Boys. So it used to be a TV show called The Chart Show. Uh-huh. And it used to show snippets of clips of videos. Uh-huh. And it would fast play and pause. Uh-huh. Right, showing my age. And it was You Gotta Fight For Your Right To Party. And it was 1980. So I've checked the dates today. It came out in America in 1986. Mm-hmm. I was born in 1982. Mm-hmm. There's no way I was four. So no. I was like, hang on, what's going on? Yeah. But it came out in the UK a year later. That's right. So, yeah, my first pocket money would have been when you were five, and it would probably have been a couple of quid. Right. And your mum and dad go, what do you want to spend your money on? And I'll go into our, our price, which is... No one, this, no one remember HMV, HMV, let alone our price. But yeah. our price was one of the first sort of high street music shows. Yeah. So we'd wander in there and I'd buy that record. So I come home with a Beastie Boys record on Def Jam. Gatefold? Uh, no, so it was it was a single seven inch. Oh, right, it wasn't the album. It wasn't um, the album. Right, so it's it's little, sorry. It was first it was sort of pop single I bought um, on vinyl. So I would have been five. And then on the flip of that was, uh, I think it's called... She's on it? No, it's called. I think it's called "Time to Get Ill," and it's yeah, it a big um, 808. What's the time? Time to get, get ill, and it's yeah. got scratches in Mr. Red. And at the same time, I think Mr. Red was on. This is like trip them Rapido TV. We're careful how you say that. Rapido, God, yeah. sake, what a tune! So, oh, what, what a tune! What a show! BBC Two. So we'd be eating our fish fingers and chips and beans and whatever, and Rapido would be on. Mm. And it's like, what's he called? Anton from Eurotrash, right? Yeah. 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 So he's presenting this kind of culture show. That's right. He's, it really trips me out to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Because it's like weird 90s winter. Yeah. And we're eating fish and, you know, our fish fingers and chips and there's this weird cultural yeah. mess of a show. And he had like animation, videos. Do you remember it? Like at tea mm. times. And yeah. It was amazing. Super, super strange. Why, how did I bring that up? Where um, did I from? Beasties. Beasties. Why, mm. do, why have I gone from there to the Beastie Boys? Oh, I've absolutely no idea. No, do I? You was talking about the 808s and... Uh... Okay, so, right, that's what I'm going for. So, at the same time, they'd show repeats of Mr. Ed, which was right. like a 60s, black and white, yep. talking horse, mm-hmm. nonsense, American TV show. So that would be on the TV. And I think in Beastie Boys, it's time to get ill. This scratching of Mr. Ed. Somehow they've got a Mr. Ed vinyl yeah. and that sort of stuff. It just blows your mind when you're a kid. Like yeah. what you're seeing t- on TV and what you're listening to, it's all sort of yeah. fitting into the right spot. So yeah, that's my first record. That's a solid choice, mate. Yeah, I think followed up by the Grease Mega Mix. Right. So it doesn't, you know. That's all right. Your first record's not meant to be cool, mate. But it's, it, it's, it, it's strange. I look back as a sort of maybe five and a half year old to go, what do you want to spend your pocket money yeah. on? And you go, I want to go and buy the Beastie Boys, and I know why because it, it's kind naughty, of naughty, naughty, naughty record. It's rude, and there's a you know, but even then, like, you don't know what hip hop is, yeah, you don't know the Beastie Boys are sort yeah. of a punk band, you don't know any of it. It's just yeah. noise. I mean, I, like, again, somehow I wouldn't have directly known, but there was a fuss about Beasties, and kind yeah, of what right. to, but you're too young to know it, yeah. but I just happened to plug into it. I was, was blessed like, that I was that much older than you that I caught that when I was like 13. And that, yeah. was the, that was just the best. It's exciting. You know, to be able to go and rob a V-dub sign and, you know, get your bomber jacket and just going nuts to Brass Monkey and stuff like that, just thinking it was the greatest thing ever. And, and it's just been really naughty and anarchic. And, yeah, and it's weird because, you know, you listen to, you know, we're sitting here and you're sitting next to a couple of nice 
pictures of the beasties. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I know they're a band that probably all of us lot are obsessed with, really, right? They're all you know, such a great band. But I listened to Fight for Your Right to Party, and it's a rock record, right? 100% rock record. Yeah. Like, if, if like, Lemmy was playing on it, yeah. you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But at the time, you don't... Yeah. I mean, li- listen to it today, sort of mm. on the way up here, you forget how much of a hard rock record yeah. it is um, on a rap label. Yeah. But then there's, uh, there's, there's pure rap on there as well, right? You know? But then you've got, like, crazy novelty... And I, and I love to use the word novelty in, in connection with a beast of words, but things like girls, which I love. Yeah. But it's just crazy odd pop that. But then again, does it sound anything different or more odd than some of the odd little things that you'd get on Three Feet Iron Rising when that come out? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Just kind of cartoon esque. Like, but I don't know. I think it's like a band that you grew up with. That's yeah. the problem. Or well, not a problem. It's like from the first incarnation to kind of. Sabotage, completely. Uh, so like, you think of the generations; they've gone from they th- went from MTV, yeah, growing up in the eighties. NME was like sabot- yeah. sabotage, yeah, and MTV Two, yeah, and then like back on MTV with like, yeah. can't think of big hits, but like um, intergalactic yeah. and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and it's like you kind of no, grew up with that band. When, when MTA died, like you know, when people talk about Prince passing, like Bowie passing, yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that, and even. You know, being the age I was when Kurt died, you know, being a DJ in the indie clubs and, and, you know, seeing the impact that that band had. When MCA died, I just thought, you know what? Like, I'm actually really sad about this because from the very first, all right, from the very first album, proper album, like, with, 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 you know, with Licence Twill that they released, and I've got, I'm not going to lie and say that I was in the Paul's Boutique when it came out. Yeah, I didn't yeah. hear it. Yeah. You know, I went back to that when a few of my mates were going, have you heard? Yeah. Like, so what do you want? I've checked your head. Yeah. And it was more ill communication that then completely ignited it for me. But right the way up until he passed, like, everything they've ever done, I've loved and I've played in the clubs. Yeah. At whatever point, I can reach into that bag for the Beastie Boys and whatever comes out, I can play and it'll work. Yeah. And, like, that's not an easy thing to do, as you know, as an artist, like, to be able to be that consistently in touch with what makes people respond, dance, react, like, they just knew how to do it. And, you know, how many bands, like, five years after they don't really, well, it's probably longer than, than that when, since MCA passed, put out a book that literally sells out in pre-order, then to, do a book tour yeah. that people are going fucking mental for, like they did for their music. It's like... They just got it right time and time again. There's not many bands that can do like a audio response to 9/11 and get away with it. Yeah, that that that, that well loved. Yeah. And again, back to James Murphy, reading the interview about dealing with celebrity because he's very much a non-celebrity. Mm-hmm. Like, could be a superstar DJ, kind of deflects that. And one of his things is being friends with Adam. I think he's called Adam Yacht. Yeah. And just saying he gets approached on the street all the time, and he's like, "That's cool." just with my friend we're having a coffee like pleased to meet you shakes their hand but it's not about selfies and he sort of said to see how they deal with the public and kind of they're cool but they're not with the shit yeah it's very impressive to learn how to do that yeah that's probably 20 years 25 years being famous yeah but they just seem human and yeah super creative but then when they come across they're just very 
normal people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not affected by any of it, especially in a world of like, I mean, like a lot of hip hop deaths this year. Yeah, of course. People can't seem to deal with the fame yeah. and that mix of, you know, becoming okay. famous overnight kind of thing. And they're the kind of elder statesmen of how to behave when really like 20 years ago they were like the new scary thing. The yeah. press went at them. Yeah, like 20 yeah, years yeah. later they are a good shining light of how to behave in the industry. Strange. But it yeah. is a weird, weird yeah. spin back, isn't it? Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. All right, so we've, we've, we've mentioned the 808 already and so that 808 pretty much kick-started everything right in yeah. dance music. Track five, the song that soundtracked your clubbing years. Right. Again, like again, these names are a nightmare, right? So it's Stephen Emmanuel, and it's called Hold On, and it's the SE22 mix. And you, you look at me blankly, Stu. Yep, no idea. If you heard this, yep. you would go, like, I know what this is. Okay. So, so this is my nod back to the garage days, basically. Right. Okay. There's a thousand garage records I could choose. Yep. So first music I learned to mix was two-step garage. Okay. Twelve tens or on, just decks? On a or? pair of Technics twelve tens. We we. Uh, I bought a pair of um, they were called Pro One Fifties because I couldn't afford the Technics, mm-hmm. and they made they pitched. I think they went up to thirty two. So if you really wanted to mix drum and bass into into trip hop, you could because you could just pitch the fuck out of it. Yeah. So it's like noddy music. How old were you when you bought them? About fourteen, fifteen, and then my friend Chris had a pair of Technics. First one, all of us lots of kind of master how to beat match and get Technics. He was a so, spoiled one, right? Chris was spoiled. I, I might not say <laughs> that. <laughs> and Chris would have seemed like. It was all very friendly. Obviously, we're pally with Chris, but yeah. there comes a time where why is why is Bill Rand's house again mm. with a bag of records again? And it's sort of much like really nice to see you, Chris. You crack on, play Mega Drive if you want. Yeah. I'm just going to go on your decks for an yeah. hour. Um, so that's how we learned to mix on pretty much sort of garage and two step garage was. It got a bad rap, and I think it's kind of come back and people respect it for what it was because it was really homegrown music mm-hmm. with songwriters mm-hmm. and really high production values there's a lot of nonsense that come with it but that was our my time my music was garage mm-hmm. and I hate looking back and being um, nostalgia is I can't handle nostalgia really? the fact that Spoonie's got to do 10 years orchestral versions of two step tracks right it kind of it's sad. It's sad in a way, yeah. Because it was music of a time, club music, amazing club music that could have conquered the world, but just missed out yeah. by a couple of years. Yeah. So, garage could have been the new sort of British music movement. I mean, drum and bass was there already to kind of pave the way. But I think as time <clears throat> moves on, I think people are getting more and more aware and and, and more, you know, indebted to. You know, you you can see the you know the 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 cultural 
you know, dots joining with things like grime and things like that. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's all part of the path, right? Well, uh, I think it's it's a strange one because grime as well at the time when grime come come across and it was called eight bar. Mm-hmm. No one knew it was called grime. All the grime guys got the hump because people were calling it this is this is grimy garage, which is basically where it started. But we were all playing well produced records. So people were like trying to apply like masters at work level of production to garage records. Yeah. So Wookie, MJ Cole, Todd Edwards, um, production's ridiculous. And they just decided they wanted to turn their hands to a stream of dance music which was garage. Mm-hmm. Wookie was writing amazing records. So MJ Cole and Wookie are kind of two examples where they're just good records. Regardless of being garage, they're just good songs. And then kind of the new wave of that was the grime guys trying to make replicate garage and not not succeeding sure but pushing it forward and creating something completely disruptive and the thing with grime grime is probably the most punkiest movement of the last 20 years definitely so diy self-made fuck you um even a garage you might have seen this but there was like a a group of garage djs and producers that got together to try and block grime because they were scared Oh really? Yeah. If you spent five, ten years making this genre yeah. that you now own, yeah, and a you know a group of kids come through, yeah, that just are gonna you know make you feel old and out of touch, and then call then instead of just not not only make you feel old, old and out of touch, also tell you to your face. So there's like an amazing interview with the Dream Team and So Solid on on Radio One, where like Dream Team, which is Spoonie and those guys have like got So Solid in, and it's like. They're doing it because they know that record's going to be big, but it's old girl versus the new wave. Really? But at the time, because you you were kind of trying to emulate, or not emulate, trying to borrow from like good production, pr- produced music, the grime stuff just seemed like someone was just knocking stuff up on a computer. Yeah. They totally were. Yeah, they were, yeah. And there was a bit of a backlash. But now we look back with kind of rose-tinted spectacles and go, yeah, it's part of it, and it's the second wave. But really, there was a bit of a jar. But that's no different from Sebado <coughs> just making... Music on like a, an old four track, and, yeah. and like, you know, it's 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 making music with what you got and the abilities you've got, and and I, I yeah, it's fucking great. Like yeah. DIY is is where everything comes from, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. for them guys to kind of like uh, create an engine room of production and to get it out in such a short space of time, um, and now to like now be credited for. You know, a new genre. I think I think Grime's now recognised on Apple Music. Right. So, you know, Grime was fueling into hip hop, and then you know it, now it's got its own genre. And the fact that again, the last five years we've seen so much UK music blow up overseas. That you know, Tiny Temper mm-hmm. was like you, you. I think US number one and stuff yeah, like right. that. But it's just you know, you look at people like Rodney P and people that kind of were trying to pave the way for UK rap. Like they'd laid all the foundations, yeah. it took another generation to kind of then spring it, and it's to do with the internet and hype and you know some cool tracks. But yeah, two step garage where we grew up. I've got thousands of records. Um, some are good, some are bad, but the good stuff is. Just... And where was your clubbing then? So we went. We would grow up. Uh, I mean, down the road, we'd end up in Romford, and we'd end up in Basildon, and we'd end up in Southend, at uh, the usual. So we can. We can name check Zinc in Southend and mm-hmm. we go to Time and Envy in Romford. But don't forget, like all the big garage DJs would come through. So mm-hmm. it's like very much, you'd see huge DJs. So mm-hmm. 
EZ and, and Nice Boss Windross and all those guys coming through every week so you get a different taste of a different DJ and that's just like so for me four or five years worth of listening to Garage yeah. um, that's the sort of soundtrack to our to our youth and learning to mix with Garage which is kind of it's tricky music because it's different the beats are tricky um, drum and bass is easy to mix house is quite easy to mix garage is the, the kind of the broken beat style of it is, yeah. is crazy yeah yeah, so yeah of course you kind of learn your the ropes if you want with quite yeah. a difficult music <clears throat> and then it kind of really sets you up to to kind of play anything I suppose yeah. along the line so yeah so much love for that genre um, and then yeah sort, sort of coming full circle I think it is a lot respected than what it was. It was kind of an idiot genre five years ago. I think people now realise like the impact it made. Yeah, um, definitely. It was you know our own sound for a while. Yeah, I think people are wising up to the significance of what was happening then. Yeah, but it would never be cool again. That's the mm. problem. Like you'll never create that bubble of of a new a new wave of music yeah. with that much talent in it. Um, and I, I hate the way that genres seem to just fade and they kind of blow up and die like well that's because yeah but UK funky and like you we just it it now blows up and implodes very quickly well we spoke about that enough night standing outside the book club and you know I think in a time where you know the the record industry is is scratching its head yeah completely lost with where everything's going and I think you know dubstep's a prime example that you know I'm sure someone from Sony or, or or whatever went to forward and just thought, "Oh, this is this is buzzing! Like mm. this is this is really good. Let's get one of these to remix fucking Madonna or whatever." Yeah, yeah. And then once that happens, and then Ministry of Sound put out probably the best dubstep album ever, then it's fucked, right? Because you know if those people that liked it and, and and kind of made it happen yeah I don't know you can either grab the money and, and go and do the big remixes but you're, you're signaling the end of your scene and your career right yeah I think there's a there's a hipster element to it yeah we're all quite quite like, precious people right yeah we do kind of switch genres and what's cool and what's not cool a lot more but it's hard to kind of like that's the only thing from, from the kind of garage but you know birthing grime <clears throat> and then dubstep UK funky all these genres that just sort of pop and die mm. it's a bit strange it's just the only thing it's good to see grime hanging around because it's song based artist based yeah that's what keeps it moving it's not really musical it's more about yeah. the artist in front of what's going on yeah um, but yeah I mean it, it, there was you know I scratched my head there was a thing called like Moonbuffon which was like yeah I think we we had a rival that was playing a Rockabilly, what was it? It was like electronic rockabilly music. Uh, Did you get the ring any bells? You're not talking about electro swing, are electro you? Electro swing, there you yeah, go. yeah. Like, uh, uh, what, no. Yeah, like, I mean, what is that? Exactly. So yeah. I think it's a, it's a bit you can yeah. pigeonhole stuff. What do you get in pigeonhole? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I name checked no diggity earlier. You have got a uh, remix of that, haven't you? Which is a uh, moon. Uh, a moonbathon. No, no. You've got a. You've got a. And no diggity remix nah, of that. You have because because I nicked it off, yeah. It may be a modern twist on. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, the thing with it, listeners, is there's only so many uh, R&B and hip hop records, right? There really is. Well, like, 
There's not. That's, there's, there's, there's a specific amount that you're going to get away with playing to people that... Are we talking 90s hip R&B? Oh, all I'm saying is people want a night out. They yeah. actually want to hear 20 certain records across the spectrum of a night, right? Yeah. That's not easy to do. Well, this, if there's five or six DJs, we've, we, we are... I'd pat us all on the back that we're very... Like, because we care about each other, yeah. we will listen to what each other plays. Yeah, right. And there's not a lot of treading on toes. Yeah, completely. I try and steer away from what destruction of play yeah I know what Pip's going to play yeah I know Pip's mindset and no one's there when I'm DJing well I'm there and 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 Chris is going to play early 2000s really bad sort of dance music or drum and bass yeah hey what's wrong with you is that a thing has he played that have you never have you never have you never picked up on the facts and small thing with Chris no this is all new. We've hounded him for years. I kind of know that there's a bit of that, but I didn't think he'd actually played it. He played it once, yeah. And obviously, we ne- he still denies it to this day, but we will never, ever let him forget that. William, track six. I'm looking over at your list because I did my, my phone. That's all right. Given up. A favourite song from an artist from your hometown. Okay, right. So, growing up in Essex, but I'm going to, because I live in London, I'm going to do some, going to switch it. Okay, I mean that's cheating, but that's it, fair, yeah. Well, I could do an Essex thing, but we're all from Essex, so yeah. it's a bit like let's just. Also, let's give a new band a bit of a, a okay. voice. So the track's called Transmitters. Transmitters. Yeah, and it's a by a band called Sauna Youth. Sauna Youth. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're London-based, right? So I'm not kind of winging it. Um, I saw them perform on uh, Mark Riley had a BBC Three show that mm-hmm. nobody knows about where he got three or four bands to perform. And it's great. So it's like the Tube or, you know, Manchester-based. Mm-hmm. And no one watched it. And I saw them on there and I'm like, this, this is a great kind of sort of punk band. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot to it. It's bass, guitar, drums, and some screechy vocals talking about, you know, becoming a radio. But it's a great, great sort of four minutes of music. So, I don't know, to champion a new artist, I would say maybe check them out. Um, you know they're not like mainstream, but it's they're a great band. So yeah, if I was gonna pick a, a pick a, there was a long list of people I could yeah. have chose, but I think they kind of it's good to kind of showcase. Someone. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm gonna push you. I'm right. Gonna push you for Essex as well. Uh, so you're gonna get two chances at this, which is which I, I don't generally do. So you're being spoiled now, Bill. Mm, yeah. I thought when yeah. I sent that, yeah, I was a bit cocky, and I thought I know he's going to pick probably "Situation" by Yazoo or something like that for that. See, I did think that, mm. but then that's what we'd all pick, right? Mm. So, you know, oh, I thought it might have been some kind of early Essex rave. Well, kind the- of- a lot of early, early Essex rave. Also, is a um, Dean is part of Dem Two. Yes, Dem Two are a garage outfit mm-hmm. that kind of broke the mold. So, like, our first sort of garage two-step record is Dem Two. So, so that's proper pioneering if you wanted to go that route. So, I'm not. There's no point in choosing an Essex band because you'll get that. Well, we can shout out Dean because because that's I, that they are. You know, they don't. I don't think they. Know. And also, the blueprint of Dem Two Destiny mm-hmm. is. For for what for you know good or bad, 
is pretty much the blueprint to Daniel Bedingfield's got to get through this. Oh, okay. So if you listen to the two tracks separately and then listen to, you know, you kind of, you'll see yeah. the borrowing. And I'm not sure it's intentional. Yeah. But I know that when it came out, I'm sure Dean and Cole yeah. were scratching their heads going, God, this well, sounds very similar. Well, it's really weird because... Um, that that whole scene, what you know, at that yeah. point there was too much stuff happening with guitars for me to to yeah. look elsewhere. But I knew Dean, who is Dem too. Yeah. And uh, and and he hit me up a long long time, obviously after this when we was doing um, Lizards with Screw. Yeah. And he went, I'll come and spin some records. And generally, when I say to you, blah blah blah, book for this event, you're like, all oh, right, cool. You looked really excited. When I said that we've got my mate Dean from Grays coming down to DJ for us, and he was yeah. like, "It's them too, man," and like, and it was, and it was weird because I, I wasn't particularly overly aware of like how good they were at what they done. Yeah, and uh, and it was only really through seeing your reaction that I thought, "Oh, maybe I should go and do a little bit more research." Seeing as it's been mate as well. Well, like so. I've been buying loads of two-step garage again like, over the last couple of years, and I'm trying to. I was trying to work out through what is the first garage record, right? Two-step garage record. So you've got House Four Four, sort of Acid Soulful. There's loads of versions of House, whatever. But then Garage where there's a bit of a swing element to it, so it's a bit skippy. And then there's a speed garage element where they start pitching the records up. But where does it turn from like a four-four kick drum into a two-step track? And there's like three tracks that probably kind of do that. And there's um, Never Let You Go by Tina Moore. Yep. There's a Kelly G remix. Kelly G's an R&B producer. And for some reason he applies sort of R&B production to a kind of track at house speed. And then you get the two-step shuffle. So that kind of creates two-step. So that's credited as the first two-step record. Then you've got a record called Sky Capping Dolphins, which you'd never hear. It's this really jazzy, nonsense record. It sounds like two dustbins being smashed together, but really it's one of the first ever two-step records. It's actually really good, to be fair. And then there's probably Dem 2, Destiny, as the first two-step record. So it's, it's hard to kind of own a genre. Mm. And like that's just one of those milestone records that creates 10 years' worth of music. So that, that's very cool. And Dean and, and Dem too, the production was always f like flawless. Mm. They come back a like, I think a couple of years ago and did that's a few right. remixes, pretty good. And now they're, it, there's, a, there's one record shop, Garage record shop, still going. A Garage record shop is still going? Yeah, so I've got to sort of say hello and big up everyone at DNR Records. So in, where did I have to go to? I had to go to Croydon, right? So uh, in Croydon, there's a, garage record shop forward slash it's not a museum but it's mad yeah and obviously I made a few garage records and they're in the racks so mate that's a good place that, to be right it's weird right but it's got like the history of garage it's weird to go to go to a shop and then flip through the racks and go I didn't know that existed I yeah. didn't know he remixed that yeah. I didn't know that was a thing it's stuck an archive and then you've got waves of all the garage producers that nip in and go yeah. just to let you know I've got a box of these that have been up in the attic for, for 10 years yeah and your fresh white labels is record like it's mad um so yeah to know that dnr still there and dean and the guys are still making music and still like putting out stuff yeah but to have like back to in the internet age where you've got all these channels it's mad to have a record shop yeah that is just about garage and they're remixing music from like groove chronicles lb uh them too and it's good if you're into that yeah that, that's the place to go 
That's incredible. So, yeah. Still going. So DNR, if you're into uh, if you're looking for some garage records, there's a yeah over in Croydon place to be. Okay. The last track, Bill. Yeah. Is your opportunity to to preach a little. So you can you can you can pick a song that yeah. you think a lot of people might not have heard that you you you, you really want them to hear. Okay, so it's a record that we've all heard. We have certainly heard. Okay. So Goodbye Horses, Q mm -hmm. Lazarus. Yeah. You know that. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of them records when if I've got a chance, I play out, and nine times out of ten, someone comes over to talk to you about it. Yeah. What is this? Or they're American and like, thanks for playing this because I think yeah. it's big in college radio. Okay. So uh, people know it from a scene in Silence of the Lambs, but if yeah. you kind of blur that out of your mind, yeah. I mean, I've seen like Optimo play it and it's just a great record. Yeah. And I was one of them records where friends are like, I need some music. You turn them onto that and they're like, what is this? Where yeah. is this? It's just one of those records that yeah, yeah, yeah. spreads like wildfire and it was never big. Um, the 12 inch is worth about 300 pounds. Really? Yeah. So they repressed it last year and they put all the demos on there. So you can see how the song evolved, which is worth listening to. Mm -hmm. um, but they didn't put the 12 inch mix on there. It's on uh, Clerks 2 soundtrack. Right, nice. If you can get the CD, you'll get the 12 inch mix of that. A little, cool. And that's how I've got it. I haven't got it on vinyl. Um, and if you, you, know, you put it into Discogs or eBay, it is literally. Uh, £300 the record so if you ever see a 12 of Q Lazarus Goodbye Horses buy it grab it um, maybe give it to me but yeah it's uh, just an incredible record um, and it's a strange record because it's a record if you look at the lyrics it's very avant-garde production's really kind of ethereal and kind mm -hmm. of kind of massive big sound production but it's just one of them songs that you just pass to someone and like instantly fall in love with it yeah so yeah if it was going to kind of turn people onto a record um if you're a dj you probably would have come across it at some point but yeah um you should check it out it's on spotify as well so but it'll be the three minute version that just fades out yeah so. will it be on the playlist bill awesome. um so what's what's going on at the moment what, what not right this split second um, but what, what's happening in regards to music you're making, where you're DJing, what's going on? What's going on? So, um, the label Discotheque Credits is rumbling on in the background. So I've spent like six months making music to kind of fuel the label. So next year there'll be a good stream of releases coming out through there, like disco edits, the usual um, same stuff. And then DJ-wise, not doing crazy stuff but just like Lock Tavern's been good to me so I'm playing at Lock Tavern uh, once a month mm -hmm. and then book, book club mm -hmm. for Lizards mm -hmm. and that's about as much as I can sort of juggle with commitments and of work course. and all that so yeah and what I will say to finish on is in all honesty like we've had so many DJs come through and, and DJ for, for me and me and Matt and me and Scrooge and you've consistently been that kind of point when you just think that's all right bills on yeah. and that's probably not the greatest compliment but yeah. it's all right bills on and but that means that everyone's going to be looked after you know you're in 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 safe hands and it's going to be interesting music and yeah and, and, and props to you for that mate yeah thanks i think 10 years in the game you kind of you should know what you're doing at this mm -hmm. point, and you should you, you shouldn't be as pretentious as you kind of once yeah. were. Yeah, like you're there to do a job. Yeah, of course. Uh, but again, like from sort of playing bangers at book club to like 
DJing for Aperol last year. It's like an Italian heritage drinks brand. Yeah. DJ for us for two days and soundtrack the space. And you get to play loads of Italian disco and kind of dig a bit deep. Yeah. But you just need to have that pool of music to kind yeah. of, of, of to dip into. I think it's like, it's a weird one with music. You get highs and lows and it's it's easy to kind of kind of knock things back and yeah. look back and like say about being nostalgic. nostalgic. You shouldn't do that. Always look for the next thing. There's enough out there if you're kind yeah. of digging around. Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people making really good music. So, yeah. Wicked. Cool. So, if people want to find out about discotheque credits, uh, yeah, if you can be bothered to, to Google discotheque credits, it the French spelling as well, because that's not pretentious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's SoundCloud uh, and Disco Credits at Twitter, uh, Instagram, all the chat. Like, just you know, if you're up for it, yeah, or whatever. If not, um, yeah, I'm playing all around London as well. So just. You know, the Facebook is kind of where yeah. I announce where I'm playing. When we put this out, we'll take you and everything so people can follow you, like you, share you, Brilliant. tweet you, and all of that stuff. All good. Bill, thank you very much. It felt like a job interview, if I'm being honest, Joe, <laughs> which is good practice. So. You're hired, mate. <laughs> Cheers, Joe. Hello. That's it. It's me at the end, which signifies the end of the podcast. So I think by the time this finished, we'd have maybe three or four G&Ts and uh and we was getting a bit loose it was good um bills are well for knowledge on music right really measured answers um very well researched um and that's I, I love that i love that when we can we can get nerdy because it's one of the beautiful things about music is you can obsess over it and, and get lost in it um and yeah and it was a real pleasure to chat to bill um i'll keep this short because it's the bit at the end, and I know you want to get onto another podcast. So, thanks very much for listening. Thanks again to Bill for for agreeing to come on and and, and talk music. Uh, find out about the Patreon and the merch and everything else that we're doing at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com and go and have a look at www.podbiblemag.com and find out about everything else that's happening in the world of podcasting. It's your essential guide. I'll see you next time. See you later. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stew Whiffin. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.